Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. I'm Dee, the managing editor at Annie Femme. You can find all my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can also hang out with me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. And I am joined today by fellow Annie Femme staffers, Vry and Peter. Hey, uh, I'm Vry. I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist. You can find me on Twitter at Writer Vry. If you check out my pinned thread, I freelance all over the internet. Or you can find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And I'm Peter Fobian. I'm an associate producer at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. Uh, so today we are uh, talking about the winter 2019 shows. It's our retrospective podcast, going back over all the titles we watched and our thoughts on them. Um, obviously, there's a lot to cover. There always is. So we'll try to just jump right into it. Um, we'll move from the bottom of our premiere review list up um, and we'll go quickly through the bottom stuff because not as many folks on the team are watching those. Um, Peter, I know you keep up with basically everything. Um, was there anything in that uh, bottom chunk that you're watching that none of us are that is worth a shout out? I don't know if there's anything to say. Girly Air Force uh, had a really weird ending. I think they watched the movie adaptation of Stephen King's The Langoliers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Vry got that reference. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know if that's really worth discussing that's almost worth going to look at oh my god that's amazing it's weird yeah um quintuplets pretty much went as i predicted waddington maintained the course yeah i think it's all pretty pretty much we've already everything is what we have said it was already that tracks yeah um okay cool then we can we can continue forward from there um, this one is so far down the list, which is wild to me, but it was because the first episode just had so many handsy boys, and it's Meiji Tokyo Renka, um, and I don't have a ton to add after the midway point on this one, um, it, like I said there, it got a lot better, it became more about May, um, kind of, uh, figuring herself out and kind of the person that she actually was when she wasn't being uh, socially anxious about the fact that she could see ghosts and she finds a group of people who really uh, appreciate and respect her and I do not for the life of me uh, really see what she saw in the guy she kind of ended up with Um, but she was happy the show was very focused on what May wanted and what May needed and that made it really nice Um, she was a fun character all the way through um, there's some nice little one-off uh, ghost stories or just episodes where the characters hang out. There's an electricity rap that is glorious. Um, and I don't want to spoil the ending for folks, but I really liked what they did with it. It very much is a series. It's not officially an isekai because she goes back in time, not to like an alternate world. Um, but counts. it's eh, debatable. I don't really want to get into a semantic argument about what, what an isekai is. Um, but it's very much chomping the flavor of the like 90s shoujo isekai in terms of a story, like a coming of age story where somebody goes to another world to, um, you know, mature and find their confidence and their um, sense of agency and all that good stuff. Um, and I, so I ended up really, again, the, a lot of the romantic stuff didn't really click for me, but I liked May's, um, I liked May's kind of friendship arcs with the guys. Um, there's a little bit of like, I guess low-key ableism that I should warn folks about um, in the last half. It's not. It's not bad. It's just a little, um, a little insensitively handled. Um, but overall, it was a really nice show. I liked it a lot, and I was 
again very pleasantly surprised with with the direction they went for the for the last episode so i was i was kind of applauding by the end it was good that's nice yeah she could see ghosts yeah that was like the whole thing from day one she like her friends all she didn't think it was weird and then she had some friends over and she was like these are my other friends ghosts and they were all like oh you're the weird kid and she ended up kind of becoming a social outcast because of that and so the series is kind of her working through that a little bit um wow a lot more going on than i thought okay yeah it's again it was a it was a surprisingly delightful show the director had a really good sense of comedic timing so i hope i i didn't I should have looked up the name before I started this, but I hope they, they do some more like comedy focused stuff because to me, those were some of the best elements of the show was that it's kind of goofy sense of humor. Um, yeah, it was nice. I would, um, you know, recommend it just with a few very, very minor caveats, um, and would easily bump it up out of the yellow flags into maybe it's complicated somewhere like that. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Moving from a show that pleasantly surprised me to a show that pleasantly dis- that unpleasantly disappointed me, oh uh, Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka. I dropped it like a hot potato during the, how do I want to describe this? Psycho-lesbian torture porn scene? Does that cover it, Peter? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty descriptive. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even get through the whole thing. I got like, a, I got 60 seconds in went, oh, they're not going to cut away. And said, I'm done with this show. I don't, this is, no, can't, can't deal. Yeah, I, I immediately fell behind with everything after we recorded the mid-season. And then I was gonna go back to Asuka. And D, you told me like, uh, so by the way, Yandere is still gonna Yandere. And I'm like, oh. I'm just gonna save myself that effort. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was gross. The last episode was probably the worst. So. Oh, excellent! So it didn't even. That's so nice. Uh, so yeah, I think that one was kind of a bummer because we all we all felt like even though there were definitely some bad things about it, there was also some really good stuff. And I just, it kind of had a torture fetish. And no, I'm I'm done with. I'm not gonna do that. So. Yeah, literally take out the torture. I probably would have been pretty fine with the series past yeah. a few weird things with Kurumi, but then they had what three torture scenes? Yeah, really yeah. I mean, I extensive. dropped I dropped it at number two. Yeah, yeah, really just rolled around in that in that uh, unpleasantness. So, mm-hmm. um, Peter, the next three. Okay, you're you you did keep up with Endro. Um, I know at the mid season you said there was some kind of kind of nice stuff about it. Uh, where did you fall by the end of it? Well, I uh, I actually, it slipped my mind. I don't know why it did, but uh, there's probably something bad I should say about it. I, the show is getting a lot of praise, and it's one of those things that I notice where uh, somebody will really talk about how good a show's representation is, but they will not add any caveats. Uh, and usually I'm watching the show, and I'm like, maybe before recommending the show, you should mention the fact that there's a pedophile in it, because uh, you said it's so inclusive and has good representation of LGBT people. Uh, there's a lesbian pedophile in that show. Why uh, is that a thing now? Yeah. I know why it's a thing now. I don't. We don't have time for that today. Yeah, Demon Lord is brought back as a tiny girl who becomes their teacher, which in itself is. I mean, it's kind of weird, but there's no problem with it. But then one of her coworkers is, uh, yeah, very apparently wants to have relations with her. Uh, there's this joke where she says the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. And uh, it's really creepy. And I thought they were done with the character, but then they brought her back pretty much right after the midseason podcast. So, I mean, the rest of the show is pretty fluffy and inoffensive. It's got that okay scene that it never follows up on with in regards to the princess loving the hero. It never follows up on it. Sorry. That was uh. it. I mean, she remains obsessed with the hero. The hero remains oblivious. Uh, it gets uncomfortable. She actually engineers 
uh, almost engineers the rise of the demon lord so that she can have the hero rescue her, uh, in effect giving the like demon lord weapons and putting the world in danger just so she can watch Yusha save her, which came across to me like, I don't know, uh, she almost accidentally destroyed the world because she was so obsessed with seeing you should beat some people up, I guess. Yeah, that doesn't seem super healthy. Yeah, not great. Hmm. Um, and then there's the pedophile, of course. So, uh, like, yeah. If you, I think that she said, like, episode two or three briefly, if that doesn't bother you, just, like, I think there's, like, maybe five or six occurrences, very short occurrences of her. So she's not, she's not a major character. She's just that nails on chalkboard. This is not, not a, a dragon maid no. situation. She appears from time to time. It's not a, uh, I mean, same, uh, I mean, I wouldn't call, God, what was her name even? Lukoa. Yeah, she didn't appear too often. I'd say that character appears less than Lukoa, but she definitely exists, so if that's a deal breaker, uh, the deal is broken. Yeah, no, and that's good to let folks know about for sure, because like you said, sometimes that can get um, swept under the rug when it's definitely important for a lot of folks. We need a we need a shorthand for that that one character in the comedy anime that just that almost ruins it because I'm watching Azumanga Daio for the first time right now and oh boy. boy howdy that sexual predator teacher sure is nails on chalkboard every time he shows up in an otherwise very fun and silly comedy. Um, yep, Azumanga is definitely one of my favorites and yeah. mm, boy. And there are other uh, other there's there's a lot of there's a lot of anime comedies like that. Squid Girl had a similar problem. This very um, show so, will be doing it again. Yeah, so um, we'll need a we need a shorthand for that, some kind of some some term. We'll, we'll have to come up with something clever. Mm. Um, but while we while we stew on that, um, I will skip domestic girlfriend and pastel memories because none of us kept up with those, and I will go to one that we all three watched. Uh, my roommate is a cat. Anime of the season. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I would award it that. Hmm. It was yeah. really good. I, it's I stopped been a myself. bad season. No. Well, okay, I wouldn't because of sequels, um, which we'll oh. get to eventually. Yeah, but, I'm not watching any of those. Yeah, um, but no, My Roommate as a Cat was delightful all the way through. The other thing I love about it is, I mean, especially just now coming off of Andro and talking about these, like, sweet comedies that you want to recommend to folks, but it's like, oh, but then there's this thing. There's no, it, I don't feel like there's any caveats to this one that are like... I mean, obviously there's stuff like, you know, if you... We talked about this in the mid-season, like, if you can't hand- handle, like, animal death at all, or stories about, like, social anxiety at all, like, that's understandable. But as far as, like, actively harmful things in a series, like, um, like a pedophile character, or whatever, it's, I don't have to worry about this. I could throw this at people who aren't that into anime and be like, do you like cats? Do you like shows about cats? You will enjoy this. It is, it is sweet and nice, and the main character has a nice little arc. Um, it's about you know finding building a family and it's it's just good. It's it's really nice. Like again, uh, I think my opinion on this season as a whole is I finally got around to watching Laidback Camp and that was really good. Mm-hmm. But but this was such a nice show and it warmed my heart and it just built on itself really appealingly every week mm-hmm. in, in a way that, like you said, it's it's so common for for comedy series to kind of hit. A, a dip somewhere in the middle, but this was just nice all the way through. It's it's definitely my pick of the uh, of the new IP that is not a carryover. Yeah, and again, I I like that there really aren't. There's a couple of like minor sort of content warnings, but there's no real caveats to it. 
Um, it's it, there, it doesn't have a mean-spirited bone in its body. It's it's a very sweet show about a um, social recluse and the and his cat and how they kind of help each other grow. It's just nice. It's just nice. Any any thoughts to add to that, Peter? Uh, I think you two pretty much covered it. Yeah, it's not a super complex show, so there's not a ton to like really dig into. But um, yeah, it was good. It was again. It's it's always a relief cat when I can. Boy happy. Yeah, <laughs> and boy <laughs> makes cat happy. That's true. Um, it's a love story. Um, and again, it's just it's always such a relief to have shows like that because there's a lot of stuff I love and I still have to asterisk it in this one. I'm like, I don't have to. That's nice. Mm-hmm. So hooray. Um. Mm. So next one on the list is Kemurikusa. None of us watched it. My roommate did. He really liked it. But then when I asked him, do you think I would like it? He goes, I don't know. So <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, did you uh, Did you end up keeping up I with it, I watched like Peter? the first four episodes. Uh-huh. It's uh, very weird. It's got some um, uh, Girls Last Tour vibes. Uh, but it's like in that really kind of janky, almost kind of, uh, you know how Kimono Friends was a little... Well, I don't know if you do know it. Yeah, the the CG was so janky that it was like almost charming. Like the people yeah. were aware of how weird the CG looked and kind of leaned into it. Yeah, uh, it's got that feel, kind of a post-apocalypse well, thing. Well, it's the same studio and director, so that tracks. Oh yeah, yeah, very similar. So mm-hmm. if you liked uh, Girls Last Tour and don't mind some really wonky CG, then Kamori Casa was pretty good. Uh, yeah. I at least didn't see any problems with it. I might have to go back funny. to it then, because I really enjoyed Girls Last Tour. So maybe that's one I'll, I'll give a try. Spring is looking to be possibly busy, so maybe not. But yeah. uh, folks, if you did watch it and you would like and you would recommend it, uh, you know, let us know in the comments for sure. Yeah, I certainly I like. It, it wasn't a show I wanted to keep up with, but I was sort of impressed by how del- like endearingly weird the premiere was. So. Yeah, same here. It's uh, truthfully, it's just kind of a pain to watch anime on Amazon. <laughs> so. Um, mm-hmm. That was one of the reasons I ended up playing oh, Crunchyroll. Kemuri Kusa is not. It was a Prime show. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, right. Huh. Sorry. Are you thinking Kotobuki? Something. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um. So yeah, maybe we'll check that one out at some point. Uh, next one on the list, I believe we all more or less watched through to the end. Uh, Kaguya-sama, Love Is War. Yep. Yeah. That was a sigh. <laughs> did you end up finishing it, Brian? I know you were I did, a little I bit did. behind. I did. I finished it. Um, okay, cool. And I liked it. Like, I feel like for... I feel like, honestly, Yamada's first time has set a really high bar for me. As far as, like, straight high school rom-coms. Because I kept kind of thinking about it in the back of my mind as I was watching the back half of Kaguya. Where I... I really like that central relationship and I like that these are two dumb cute kids but and I and Chica's still great like she's MVP and honestly um Shirogana's sister is pretty good too but honestly there were so many moments where it dipped into being mean that I didn't like I didn't like that all the way through the end it kind of yo-yoed back and forth between emphasizing the importance that Chika is Kaguya's first friend and she really values her, but then she drops her at the drop of, you know, the drop of a hat um, for in in case anything about uh, Shirogane comes up. I didn't like anything about what's-his-fuck, Ishigami? Ishigami, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, it was bad enough when I thought, all right, I'm not 
this joke about him being terrified of Kaguya already feels played. And then he became like an incel character. And I'm like, oh, I hate this. Um, and I feel like the narration kind of lost its grip a little bit in the back half, where in the first half, it's so effectively arched that there's a clean separation between these are kind of the societal things these characters buy into. And, you know, this is the kind uh, this is the show saying that they're being ridiculous about it and in the back half i feel like the heteronormativity got stronger and i feel like it muddied those waters a little bit especially when it was it seemed to sort of sort of be sincerely on shirogane's side at least a little bit about wow it was so noble of him to not molest her while she was sick yeah mm. that arc was very uncomfortable um, handled a lot better than I thought it would be, to be honest, because the bar for these things is very low. Um, but yeah, the whole way through, I was really uncomfortable with that. And yeah, just this idea that like, that's worth applause. Like, no, that's basic human decency. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I feel like it, it recovered from that a little bit when Shirogane has that internal monologue of like, no, I wanted to be close to her if like, it, it's not that I was cruelly forced into this. I could have gotten out of it, but I didn't. And that warmed me back up to it a little bit, but it was still, yeah. So, like, I kept going all the way through, and I think I'd recommend it as a problematic fave because the sketches that are on are so on, and I I do think that that they're cute. It's a cute first love story. But also, I was really annoyed that... that I get that you can't have it end in a love confession because of the series' hook, but it felt like they should have had more of a breakthrough, you know? Like, I ended up feeling unsatisfied with that last scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought the best breakthrough was, like, at the midway point with the, uh, her dissing that French-speaking girl. I, I mean, I really liked the fireworks thing, but then it yeah. just kind of trails off from that. I don't... Meh. I know what you mean. I think it had like a lot of funny things that it kind of went too far with. I, I thought a lot of the early stuff with Kaguya being like very ignorant was funny, but at the end I was starting to feel like they were just infantilizing her, mm. um, which was not comfortable given the premise. I mean, I thought um, I thought that the wiener sketch was funny because it was finally what I wanted, which was her and Chica hanging out and being dumb teens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I think that was, like, the one of the earliest. That one and, like, the one where she didn't know what sex was uh, yeah. were funny, but then it just, like, it kept that up. Yeah. Yeah. And we're coming down pretty hard on Kaguya. I, so I was at a point, um, kind of in that back half. I think there's probably a, I could probably uh, put a chart together that would show um, Ishigami's <laughs> involvement and my interest and my like of the show, um, because Boy, he just brought the whole mood down. Like Bryce said, I found everything with him very mean-spirited. And I never felt like the show was endorsing him. Like, he's kind of there to be kind of crapped on. But again, that's just... It just felt mean. Like, everything with him just kind of felt mean. Um, but then the last two episodes were so good. Um, Kaguya figuring out how to use Twitter was so good. Was Chika so going to the ramen shop and... Like, earning the respect of these, like, grizzled old, like, ramen experts was so good. The fireworks show was wonderful. Um, so it really, it kind of, uh, it kind of won me back over again in the last two episodes. So I ended the show, um, much more, uh, much, much happier with it than I was worried that I was going to be. Um, I also really like how the finale kind of 
leaned more into it's not just that you know um Kaguya has this boy she really likes it's also that she's kind of developed this friend group that she's never really had before and she can go out and do things with them yeah and I liked that it I liked that it wound up being a group event like there's still some really cute romantic moments in it but it's also about like I want to watch the fireworks with everybody not not just the guy I like so yeah I I liked the first sketch with Ishigami uh with him being afraid of Kaguya because the thing is like both of them look like uh both of them have like dead killer eyes I think is pretty established um, but then after that, like literally the next sketch is just like, oh, but he totally sucks. So I guess we just have to deal with him. He's not an, a good addition. I also felt like, I hope this never gets a second season because there were certain background scenes that hit me in that I've watched a lot of anime way where my blood ran cold and I was like, oh, if this keeps going, they're going to try and pair off Chika and Ishigami Please never, never do this. Never saddle that good girl with this horrible garbage boy. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. The manga is ongoing, so it is dis- it is totally possible that they could they could do a season two at some point. Um, I don't know how successful it was, but it seemed like most of my Twitter feed was watching it. But that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> um, it I'm, does not. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a bubble in a bubble, so mm-hmm. um, it did. So. I think okay. Yeah. Uh, okay to good. Yeah. About as well as everything that's not a long-running shonen or an isekai does. Yeah, top ten list is pretty easy to set. Just what's in Shonen Jump. Sigh. Yep. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'd say we're, we're a little hot and cold on Kaguya-sama. Definitely one that you, you kind of have to go in with, again, some of those caveats and asterisks that I was lamenting earlier. But I, when it's good, it's so good. Like the so. fact that it has the best opening of the season and it's sung by a guy who's done blackface. It's just full of things like that. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on to another kind of hot and cold one, I would say. Uh, the Promised Neverland anime adaptation. Uh, Peter, I know you and I both watched it through to the end. Uh, folks at home, if you if you weren't here for the mid-season, all three of us um, have read the manga to some extent. I think Ryan and I are up to speed on the uh, paperbacks, and Peter, I think you're you're caught up on like the weekly shonen jump release uh, digital releases yeah yeah I'm yeah so we we knew everything that was going to happen in this first season going in basically yep. um and i think we had a wide variety of reactions to the adaptation i dropped it after corona's arc i just i couldn't all the joy went out of my body i feel like it's a good enough series and i'm like really glad people are enjoying it because because it's a good series that deserves attention and maybe it'll lead them to the manga huh huh but honestly i was just so constantly deflated by all the little adaptational choices that it made that i i feel like undermined what makes the manga so special to me um and i just kept i kept getting smacked with that as i was watching to agree to a degree that i couldn't enjoy what this the uh, adaptation was doing well anymore which there are things it does well but it just felt like it fell into that uncanny valley of a pretty good anime but just not a good adaptation what what specifically um did you feel like it was missing um for folks at home who maybe watched the anime or haven't read the manga or something like that oh all uh, right um i feel like we should link uh jet's really really good like sort of breakdown postmortem of of Cronai's arc that uh he did 
after uh, the episode with her death, because I feel like that hits a lot of it, and I'm just going to be parroting some of it. But I think that the metaphor in the anime uh, leans too hard on the, this is about, you know, animal cruelty, animal production, um, meat farms, whereas the manga and the article, and your article touched on this ages ago, it's our featured post right now. Yeah. Uh, yay. That yeah. the manga is this really cutting um commentary on the Japanese school system and also the fact that its female characters specifically are pushed into competition with each other when if they could only form these bonds of community then they could overcome this system that's separating and oppressing them and I feel like that gets lost especially with the as the show went on I really started to hate the removal of the internal monologue more and more because I get it. I get the adaptational choice and why it feels cleaner that way, but this is a show that's so much about people's internal lives that I feel like it 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 eventually became very clear that you can't do without, at least for me. And then, you know, that really came to a head with the damn doll stuff with Krona that I hated, and then yeah. the, the cutting down of her flashback before she died, which just wrecked me in the manga. Like, that... That whole sequence of her big last stand and getting screwed over again and then her, you know, final flashbacks is so amazing. Yeah, there are a lot of um, really important kind of key lines in the manga that get cut from the anime that, um, like you said, I think I think my biggest my biggest criticism of the show is that I'm not sure the I'm not sure the folks working on the anime got what the manga was doing as far as like commentary and criticism. Um, and so, yeah, the, the Crone's kind of final scene was, was probably the lowest point for me. Um, I will say, I thought it got a lot better after that. I felt like the, the adaptation did a really good job hitting the big emotional beats, um, in the back half of the series. And by the end of it, I was much happier with it than I was during pretty much everything with Crona. I mean, that's a low point in the manga too, in so many ways, which we discussed in the mid-season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I'm glad it's doing better and like I want it to because I'm sure there are a lot of people who for whom the anime is just more accessible for a variety of reasons. So I, I want it to be accessible, but I just don't know if I'll go back to it. Yeah, well, and I know the folks on staff who hadn't read the manga and watched the anime thought it was really, really good. We're very impressed. And um, Lauren even said, like, I went out and bought the manga. So it it definitely uh, caught caught both her and uh, Chiaki's um, eyes. So. Yeah, I think Chiaki was, was considering picking up the manga, too. So that's yeah. ideal. <laughs> I've heard so many people say they're starting the manga now. I always advise start from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Especially because of some of these small but significant cuts that sort of built on each other in the in the anime. Um, as far as yeah. some of the more, some of the things that I find so impressive about the manga, I think got lost a little bit in the adaptation shuffle. Yeah, I I, I kind of feel the same. I I don't really know. Everybody's really praising the direction, but I feel like they made a, re- a bunch of really poor decisions in regards to the series. Uh, also, like, even visually, like, I don't know why the house was th- CG. Like, how many times did we see the house from the same angle? Like, why, why not just draw it? Because I feel like using, like, color 
they could have given the house a bunch of different, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Like moods, you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, yeah. The house could have looked bright and happy in the beginning and seemed more and more like imposing or like a prison later on. And the way, depending on the one upon the way they've illustrated it, I've seen this done a lot. But when it's CG, you just can't add that kind of like emotional context to the to the building. It, it looks very flat, right? Um, so I don't know. I and. There was no reason to make it CG that I can determine. I don't know why I'm sticking on this house, but uh, (laughs) that felt like a really weird decision. It seemed like we saw it from three angles, and they could have easily had a background artist just draw it in a variety of, like, lightings and really done a lot with that, but they they didn't. Um, I'm sure there was a good reason, but um, also that directing style will not work for the series going forward. Um, And they have announced a season two, so I guess we'll see where they go next with this or if they yeah. try to maintain the course. Yeah, the tone of the series changes a bit at, after the escape, so... Um, yeah. yeah, it's a much more horror fantasy series after the escape, so that'll be a marked change. Yep. That's also when uh, Emma starts hunting animals to feed herself, so I don't think all the, the ones saying it's advocating not eating meat are going to have an issue with that's probably when they'll drop off. Yeah, I've I've never cared for that interpretation. I think it um, is kind of reductive in surface level and sort of yeah. misses some of the broader um, connotations of the way the characters, especially the female characters, are sort of pushed into continuing to perpetuate this system. Um, and to me, that is so much more interesting. But again, we have articles. We'll link them in the in the show notes um, for folks to check out. They are now spoiler-free if you've caught up with the anime. The greatest sin of the anime adaptation is that it did not include that adorable omake where Kronai and Isabella just sit down and have a nice lunch. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that it's, one. It's the best. Or the one where Isabel tries to cut off Emma's antenna. Oh, no. <laughs> and, it, and it keeps the, dodging her scissors. Yes, the omake are very cute. Um, and kind of... And coming in between all of the, you know, um, kind of horror elements and uh, tension... Um, it's it's just an interesting tonal shift. So, mm-hmm. uh, oh. read the manga. We continue to shout. Yeah, and I feel like people who were maybe a little disappointed that that Emma is sort of the main heroic female character of the first season will be pleasantly surprised with at least as far as I've read in the manga going forward. There are more good female characters. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's there's the promise Neverland. Um. I, I don't really think we have much else to say there. Uh, the next one on the list I finished, but I don't want to talk about it. It's Grimm's Notes, the animation. Um, it is it is a big ball of wasted potential that at one point you think maybe it knows what it's doing. No, no, it doesn't really have a plan. Um, just watch Princess Tutu, folks. They're they're kind of enga- they're kind of engaging with the same general ideas, and Grimm's Notes doesn't even like handle it clumsily but well it it just it just whiffs at the end it's it's a big nothing anime that's my thought peter you finished that one too right uh no i oh you gave it up it became apparent that yeah same thing it was not going to actually explore any of the ideas yeah. that it set up and yeah, in fact I... like the ways it was engaging with them actually put me off so i, I yep. just got extremely bored yeah i i gave it more i probably i think i gave it a little more uh leeway or chances than I should have and then by the time I realized oh no I'm cheering for the bad guys there were only two episodes left and I was like oh screw it I might as well finish the damn thing so yeah yes um, I, I relate to this experience 
Yeah. So it, uh, it did the thing. It like it made me root for the villains and not in mm-hmm. the cute Pokemon way where I really <laughs> want Team Rocket to succeed. Uh, it kind of just did it in like the I don't know the psychopath way where I want the whole system to be torn down. Yeah. Um. The I think the series could have engaged with the idea of like this is a messed up system, but there's there's a better way to break it than like manipulating people and hurting people. Um. But it didn't even it didn't even really try. Like there's one episode where it really it thinks it's doing the thing where it's like, don't you think it's terrible that these characters have to keep repeating these fates over and over and again? But then the main character goes and talks to the the, the person in this arc who is, by the way, uh, Joan of Arc, who is not a fictional character. Mm. Grimm's notes, not a fictional character. So in your fairy tale story, this makes this makes no sense. Um, but so that that was it, though. That was bad. Well, and then, the, but then the protagonist goes to her and is like, and she's basically like, you know, it's more important to me that I, um, that I, you know, continue to fight this fight. Um, so even if, even if my, even if my ending is doomed, you know, I, I still want to go through with it kind of thing, which is fine. But there were so many stories prior to that where you saw characters who were not happy with the with the hands they'd been dealt and wanted to fight against them. And so for the series to use that one as their one being like, well, no, this system is fine because look, she's she's okay with this. It was like, well, no, but not everybody you've shown us has been. So what are you trying to say? Grimsnos didn't know what it wanted to say. I genuinely don't even think it. I don't think it had a plan. Wanted to say anything. Yeah. No, I think it. I think it was vaguely aware that it was playing with some interesting ideas, and I. But I don't think it. It ever knew how it wanted to engage with that, so it was a big disappointment. Um, and kind of just made me want to watch Princess Tutu again. <laughs> so always a good decision. Yeah, usually. Um, I need to buy the the Blu-ray that Sentai released recently so I can watch it in adorable and wonderful HD. Um. Anyway, that's Grimm's Notes. Grumble, grumble. I ended up griping about it, even though I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, next on the list is Dororo, which I know Vrai is watching. Peter, are you still ca- ke- keeping up with that one, too? I'm very behind. Okay. I am... Well, Vrai, let us know about it. Um, You know, honestly, it's still my favorite of the season. And that's a- saying a lot, because it pissed me off. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, but no, I, I am a little bit behind. I haven't watched episode 12 yet, but it's a two core. So, you know, it's yeah, that's fine. Keep, it's it's ongoing. Yeah, we can touch. Yeah, um, we can touch on it again later. But yeah, I, I really like it. I feel like the things it does well that I talked about in the mid season, it's still doing well. It's really gorgeous. It has a lot of these very tenderly set up metaphors. It's doing this thing that is a little adorably obvious, but I kind of like, whereas where Hyakimaru is getting quote unquote more human, you know, in that, because it's still got that ableist premise at heart. Um, But also he's, as that is happening, he is becoming corrupt because he killed some people. So I, I like that disjunction. I, I feel like it, it is full of these things that are obvious, but also very, well painted if that makes sense um i i like the characters i think it has made interesting adaptational choices um uh, it pissed me off with dororo though um so in episode nine i think it is um we get dororo's backstory because he is 
he is very ill, he catches a cold, and they go to, like, a nun to have him taken care of, and we get his whole backstory about how his parents were fighting against the samurai, but they were betrayed, and so he's all alone in the world, and trauma, and I love my son. And then, (laughs) at the very end of that episode, the woman... Uh, who's been taking care of him turns to Hyakimaru and gives a one-off line about, oh, it, it must be so dangerous for you traveling with a young girl like this. And then it it follows up with as they're walking away and Dororo is feeling better, he gets really flustered and is like, oh, hey, my clothes got taken off. Hey, did she say anything to you? And uh, Hyakimaru doesn't say anything because I, I think it a really good change from the manga. In the manga, he was just always articulate and he couldn't express it but this is this is really working on he's slowly gaining awareness of the world and sort of learning uh learning these things one at a time which i think is much better so it on the one hand um sinclair august who is one of our contrib who's been a contributor for us wrote this this nice article um about that episode about how it's it's kind of nice that it never like out and out Ha- says anything like that question never gets answered and it's ki- it hasn't been brought up again so it's technically left the door open a smidge and so like in a vacuum I would want to say well this is nice because everyone continues to refer to them uh, to, to the two of them as boys and brothers um, and they never technically brought down the hammer because Yakimaru doesn't say anything about it he doesn't seem to register any significance to those statements but Kind of like the thing with Haruka, where everybody in a vacuum got really excited that, you know, she has the heart of a woman and a man. And like in a vacuum, I'm like, oh, that's very exciting. But I've, I'm familiar with the context in which these statements are coming from and they make me depressed. Um, So like in Dororo's case, like in in Haruka's case, it's because there was this whole thing about if we imply that butch lesbians are also men, it makes it heteronormative and therefore normalized, whatever. Um, but in Dororo's case, it's there's this long history with AFAB characters who present masculine, where people around them might not necessarily find out, but if it's tipped, but the audience will be somehow privy to a private moment with that character, where we learn about their genital configuration, and this somehow completely changes what we know about them, even if they don't act differently and no one acts differently around them. It's almost like, it's almost treated as like the showing of a, you know, peeling back the curtain on a con, which I really hate. Um, And Lauren confirmed for me that, yeah, the Reddit's already started referring to my son with, with she, her pronouns. So I feel like I want to give it praise for, for not hammering that door shut, but I feel like you can't we aren't there yet in terms of trans representation in media you need it to be handholdy like wandering sun and zombie land saga are super handholdy because that normal that there is so little normalized narrative shortcuts that people recognize for trans characters in the face of how many stories there have been about women in disguise that are that are is what people are going to assume this is so right yeah i'm willing well, in uh-huh. in the manga dororo like explicitly says no i'm a boy at one point right but- yeah and i think we haven't 
uh, we we haven't gotten to those bandit characters like they're in the opening theme. So that scene could still happen. And I'd be willing to like look a little more kindly on the series if it really doubles down on that in the second core. But if it leaves mm-hmm. it like this, I'm kind of pissed. Yeah. No, I think I think that's fair because like you said, there's in the in the kind of overall context of fiction and media and shorthand, um, it's maybe more important to be really obvious and explicit about stuff like this um, than to let the audience who is probably a good chunk of would um, not necessarily go, oh yeah, this is definitely a, a, a trans boy. Um, just sort of assume, oh, it's a secret girl kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, but I do hope, I do hope that you get that, that moment if they're, because it seems like they've been pretty, pretty good with the adaptation and the, the characters and, um, Mappa of all studios, if I'm going to trust somebody with a queer narrative at this point, um, mm-hmm. I, 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 they've, they've kind of earned my, earned my trust there. So I would, I would hope that they'll, they'll give Dororo a, a moment later in the series to kind of explicitly, you know, say, no, I'm a, I'm a boy. So. Yeah. I, I feel like it says a lot about the series that I haven't dropped it. Um, because that's pretty much my biggest deal breaker. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I think I think I'm as much as I am enjoying it more than maybe other sh- any other show I've watched this season. I think I'm gonna hold back on recommending it until it's done. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. We don't. I mean, we typically don't do recommendations halfway through anyway. So, um, yeah, keep keep watching, keep reporting. I might go back to it um, if I'm if I'm in the mood for something a little more grim. Uh, but yeah. Um, okay, so we're, we're entering kind of our, kind of our last, our last stretch here, um, before we do some, a little bit of sequel chatter. Uh, Peter, did you finish Boogie Pop and Others? Yep. Okay, thoughts? Anything Uh, worth mentioning? I'm not sure. The last arc was kind of weird. I don't know, no, throughout, (laughs) there's always, like, these really good quotes that it has, but, like, the... Like, the way people talk and the things they say and the way they describe things are always really interesting in Boogie Pop, uh, which is something I like, especially with, uh, oh my god, is it Aoyuki doing Boogie yeah, Pop's voice? I be- yeah, I believe yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Especially when she's saying it. Um, but it's, the the arcs are all kind of pretty separate, and they're like kind of a take it or leave it. I liked the first one, and then I think it was Boogie Pop... Was it Boogie Pop and Others? I think that was the actual arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the oh god, I can't remember what its name was. The arc where we were at last time we were talking, mm-hmm. the Immortalizer or something, and the last arc were just kind of like, I don't know what you're trying to do. Um, I don't know if there's much to say as far as like things it did real good. Um, it was kind of a really interesting watch and very hit or miss in its story arcs. Mm-hmm. So it kind of left yeah. you with some stuff to chew on, but you weren't really sure what it was trying to say about those things. Does that kind of summarize it? I'm not sure if it was really uh. trying to. I mean, <laughs> that, it, it's kind of it's it's got like a lot of like kind of a self actualization talk in it. I guess I, maybe I guess that's what it's trying to say. Um, they talk a lot about like the nature of consciousness, and I get the last arc. I think was kind of really about um, sort of coming to terms with the bad shit that's happened to you kind of thing. There was like this guy that was kind of bringing out your worst memories and trying to help people come to terms with them uh, so that 
their, he said their feelings could turn to gold or something like that. That was his deal. Um, but he was going about it in a really awful way. Um, and that was why he was a bad guy. Um, and then they sort of resolved that arc. It's very, it's hard to describe. Yeah, it <laughs> um, sounds like it. Yeah, it's very kind of like a dense course of events with a lot of explaining as to how these guys' supernatural powers work. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's if you like the first arc, you'll probably like the third arc. But I don't know about the second, fourth, there are four arcs. I wish I had more to say. <laughs> I was gonna say that was glowing. It did some cool visual stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it yeah, had some cool visual stuff. Cool dialogue. That's too bad. I knew there was yeah. some hype there. It, and it may just be one of those where the, the original light novels or novels were so, like, kind of heady, you know, that it might just yeah. not be a series that adapts very well to, to screen. Um, yeah, very dense and dialogue-focused. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a challenge for any anime. That is often the case with some of those novel adaptations, too. So, mm-hmm. Well, good to know. Um, Price of Smiles. We had a we had a fun conversation about that at the mid season, and it doesn't sound like uh, it it went good places. This is my season's grim notes. <laughs> okay. Um, I I so want to give this anime credit because I can see what it wanted to do. Like I. I can see the bones of the structure of it wanted to have these two female characters and their different worldviews and bring them together at the very end in this common purpose. And I think that's neat. Um, I like that, like as somebody who has only seen Gundam 00 all the way through, a series with horrible gender politics, I, I kind of liked that this was essentially Gundam, but with much better female characters who get to do more stuff like I really liked Stella and Yuki and also Stella's girlfriend whose name I can't remember they moved in together (laughs) at the end um but so there were many things that I liked I wanted these characters to be in a better show because I think partly because of time constraints um you know this is a quarter of the length of your average Gundam show and partly because it would fall back a little too off, like immediately after the mid season where I was praising this show for its relative restraint, it did a two days from retirement plot. (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, With the the shaved head guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. So it's a huge disappointment that I can't really recommend, which makes me sad because there were things in it that I genuinely liked and thought were good. And the, mech battles all looked really pretty uh but it's just a mess it's just a mess yeah the last episode one had some cool camera work mm-hmm. i did like the uh the two episode thing where they set up the death of those two guys the two old guys um it was obvious I... but at least it was foreshadowed yeah yeah i i just i mean well they ended the one episode with like both of them like you're pretty sh- one of them's dead and then they do the whole the next episode is all the events from the other side leading up to that same fight and then you see the the actual conclu- like the or the consequence i guess would be a better descriptor mm-hmm. although one of those guys was the one that was constantly disobeying uh yuki and usually to the world's detriment so yeah kind of fuck that guy a little bit honestly. yeah i didn't i didn't feel too bad about him dying the end was just like uh how she recognized her daughter because they have the same mole. <laughs> it was real <laughs> <Yeah>. contrived. 
Yeah, and then they push the big button together at the end, which stops the war. <laughs> I mean, listen, oh my it's, god, it's cheesy, but I liked that scene. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I mean, I feel like what it was trying to do was cool and and way too ambitious for the resources that they had. Mm-hmm. I, I do respect their effort. Um, that I, I don't, I, I was laughing really hard when they were pushing the big, it was literally just a big button, like the size of a dinner plate. That they were pushing <laughs> Here to end war. It, yeah, but, uh, and I, I kind of got like, even, even before that I respected, she's just like, okay, even if, even if all the mechs don't work anymore and this power source that we use to power them is like gone from the world, people are still going to kill each other. And yeah, I feel like uh, it, I'm it, glad they addressed that. It was yeah. trying not to be simplistic about that. Like it, it really wanted to show. No, we thought about this, but it's still, it's still better than having all these, you know, weapons and also this this power source that is slowly destroying the planet. Because God bless it, its environmental message was as subtle as a Miyazaki movie. Yeah, although Yuki didn't mention it at all. She's just like, I could stop the war. I wish he'd gone. Also, it turns out the cars are the reason that none of us can grow crops anymore. <laughs> I feel like that would have been a much more persuasive argument. Like, if I work out, I can't even remember the other girl's name. Uh, Stella? Uh, yeah, yeah. If I were Stella, I would be like, okay, well, this probably isn't going to stop the war. And effectively, it might just put things in a standstill. So I'm not sure about helping you out with this. Uh, like, also, the pollution is making it so none of us have food to eat. And you're like, oh, well, then this just became an extremely simple decision. Mm-hmm. But I think to maintain the drama, she couldn't mention that because otherwise it's just too obvious that you absolutely must press that button. She, she is 12 also. So, if, like, fair enough. It's a high-stakes moment. Stella's 12? Uh, no, no. Uh, y- or Yuki's Yuki. 12. Okay, I got it. That way. That's why she yeah. didn't think to say that. Okay. Yeah. But it was just... I don't think, like, it really it really did anything bad it just like really was reaching for the stars and couldn't execute yeah 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 so that's that's kind of a bummer like i think there is like i said i think there's a lot of neat things there but it's just it doesn't tip the balance enough to be like there's more good than bad here Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm well, speaking of ambitious messes, um, <laughs> the magnificent season. It's been it's been a little rough. Um, the magnificent Kotobuki, uh, the the final show, the final new show on our list. Um, did either of you watch all the way through? No, I didn't actively drop it, but when I fell behind on things, I had to prioritize, and I just it didn't happen. Sure, you too, Peter. Did you fall off? Uh, yeah, they felt behind. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll talk about it for a little bit here. Um, I liked it. I would really struggle to recommend it to anybody. Um, it is... How do I put this? It is a lot of really good characters and really neat ideas and a really fun world crammed into 12 episodes when it absolutely needed at least two core to breathe. Um, so... They spend the first half kind of dropping all these little these little hints about like these these other people who like brought them these uh, airplanes and then vanished mysteriously and then you kind of start to gradually get to know all the main girls and they're all really fun and cool um, and they have kind of you know different backstories and reasons why they're fighting um, and then there's this whole like political confrontation simmering in the background and everything comes together in the end in a way that's really neat but such a mess. Um, it happens very quickly. There's kind of this sense of you're never quite sure 
exactly what the political conflict was about. Um, there's these there's wonderful moments of very good dialogue. Um, again, because as I've as I've said before, Michiko Yokote is very good at writing dialogue. Um, it's it's just a, and the the final episode has this like wonderfully. I mean, throughout there's these really good. Um, uh, airplane battles, aerial, aerial—that's that's the word I was looking for. Aerial combat, um, and the last episode does some really fun stuff. Um, great cast of a bunch of different kinds of women who kick ass at their jobs. Um, it's fun. It's really fun. It is just such a mess, and it it is set at like everything feels like it's happening at twice the pace that it probably should have. Um, and just when you kind of are like, oh, this person's neat, I want to spend more time with them, you're whisked away to something else, and it, it would have, it would have really benefited from an, from an extra core. Um, I'm, I'm glad they, I'm glad they, they, I'm glad the show exists, and I'm glad I watched it through to the end, but like I said, I am, I am hard-pressed to recommend it, because it is, it is kind of a big old mess. That's a bummer, because like, like you said, there was, it's such a joyous little series, I feel like, like it's clearly so excited to be Mm -hmm. here. Oh yeah, it's it feels very much like a passion project. Like I think I think Mizushima and Yokote were both very excited to do this this project, um, and I just I just get the sense that they had initially mapped it out to be longer. And um, again, I I don't have production notes, so take this with a grain of salt. That's just the feeling I get from watching it is that they thought it, they thought they'd have more time to tell this story, and then they were probably told at some point no, and they went okay, we can we can we can make that work, and it works. I think because it is in the hands of, of two people, of two experienced people who were, who were pretty talented at their jobs, um, it works a lot better than it, it probably should have been completely incomprehensible. And for the most part, it's fun, even though, um, like I said, it is, it is a bit of a mess. Um, so yeah, I liked it. That's, that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I'm falling with Kotobuki. Um, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I just don't think I would be putting it on any like, you know, top 10 list or anything like that. So yeah. Um, but yeah, still worth it, I think, Mm. for me anyway. Um, but that, yeah, so that's the end of the new stuff, which, like we said, was kind of, was pretty up and down. Um, as far as, like, sequels and carryovers go, I got through a trio of them. Peter, you watched quite a bit more than I did. Um, of the ones... Yeah, of the sequels and carryovers and stuff that you watched that I did not, is there anything that you wanted to call out in particular? Let's see, Black Clover introduced its biggest badass yet, and it's a woman... And she hunts animals with her bare hands, and she's really cool. Damn. Uh, yeah, Mary Eliana. Uh, she has not been revealed yet because she hates politics and, yeah, spends her whole time killing animals with her bare hands and eating them because that's fun to her. Uh, and she also okay. slaps Yami around, who's been the big badass so far. It's pretty funny. Uh, also, Noelle got a good moment. She beat up her bro- abusive brother in a fight. Completely nice. blasted him away. It was great. Uh, JoJo Part 6 introduced its second gay couple ever and killed them t- the next episode. Uh, just like JoJo's! Uh, yeah. Well, they survived one more episode than the last gay couple, which was zero. Um, Sword Art Online's new villain is just a naked woman uh, who <laughs> rapes UGO. Oh, and, Lord. Yeah. It's not funny yeah. anymore. Sorry. Ooh, like a, yeah. And she, I guess she doesn't feel the need to put on clothes because she's a god or something, but I'm pretty sure that's not the actual reason she doesn't wear clothes. <laughs> uh, that time I was reincarnated by a slime. Had a pretty good last episode that focused on uh, Shizu before she met Rimuru, 
Uh, it's setting up something that happens with Rimuru later, but it's pretty good. It, it kind of becomes a uh, great teacher, Rimuru, in the last <laughs> arc, where he finds some kids that he has to help not get killed by the, like, I guess the guardian forces inside them or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty cute. Uh, probably better than the first half. Okay. Uh, at least as far as problematic content. Um, but the series is pretty up and down. Overall charming, though. And that's it. Yeah, and then you and I, uh, the other three on the list, you and I have both watched. Um, so we can talk yep. about those a little bit. Um, I guess we'll start with Run With The Wind. Um, I know, I'm kind of surprised you finished that one, to be honest, because I know you were pretty thoroughly done with it at about the midway point. I just, I liked everybody but Haiji, really. Oh, okay. I, I'm like, oh, this whole cast is cool, but I really mm-hmm. dislike Haiji, and he's the one making them do this, so. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I, we could spend, <laughs> Caitlin was sad she couldn't join us, so she, so the two of you could holler about Haiji again. I don't want to holler about Haiji. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I never was, like, really, like, in his camp, but I didn't hate him the way you did. I think I was just kind of in the middle on him. Um, I enjoyed the side characters. It's one of those where I feel like we could spend a lot of time... I feel like we're either... I'm hesitant to get too deep into it, because I feel like we're either going to spend a ton of time talking about Run With The Wind, or, like, no time at all. Um, Because I think there's a lot of little things we could talk about. Um, The fact that it... I like... I love when sports anime do the big dramatic like pushing through um adversity and injuries or whatever else to like you know for the team kind of stuff um but uh then uh, lauren came into our our team chat and was explaining how uh at the actual uh at the actual ekiden like these college kids are like collapsing because this is the most difficult race like in the you know it's extremely physically taxing and like actually kind of harmful for a lot of people and i was like oh when you when you add that actual element of like real life um physical destruction i guess it it becomes a lot less then it starts to feel like you're romanticizing something that maybe doesn't shouldn't be romanticized um so i think that was always kind of in the background of my head in the last half even though you know from a purely fictional standpoint there's some really good emotional beats with uh with the characters and like i i teared up a few times and was cheering for them and all that good stuff so yeah i was really of two minds uh who was the guy who was sick i can't remember Shindo. Shindo. I was wondering yeah. about Shindo. Musa's boyfriend. Yeah, I really liked how it was done. I really liked uh-huh. that they showed, like, his family all sitting down to watch it, and, like, then he starts running, and they can immediately tell something's wrong, and, like, just the room, like, goes silent. I thought that yeah. was, like, it really, was really good. It was really well staged. Yeah, although the entire time I was just thinking, he shouldn't be doing this, and Haiji should be calling it off. Um, but he ran through the whole thing. Oh, and he was fine by the next he day. Was, he, yeah, he had an anime was, cold. He was fine. I, I didn't like that. Like, he was, like, passing out on his feet before he started running, and then the next day he's like, oh, my fever broke. <laughs> okay, cool. I guess everything's better now. Yeah, I don't it's an say, anime was cold. It, was it Hana is the girl's name? Yeah. Yeah, she didn't get shit, so. She was, um, she was basically a sexy lamp. Um, yeah. You could have taken her out of the story, and it would have affected the story not a bit. Uh, yeah, it was one of those shows where there'd be, like, a stretch where they'd have a really good... It'd be, like, these really good character or emotional moments, and then you'd have this other stretch where it's like, where the hell did that even come from? Um, yeah. Because there was... I think it was the episode where you get, you get like, Musa running his part of the race, and his internal monologue is really good, and he's kind of talking about, you know, coming together with this group. Um, 
overall, I thought Musa was my favorite character, probably. Um, and then, like, but then, like, the second half of that episode, it goes into um, Joji or Jota. I don't remember which one which one ran first. And it's suddenly no it's difference. and suddenly it's like a rom-com, but also it's like trying to cram in this story about how the two of them have always kind of been treated like the same person, but they're not really. And I'm like, you waited a real long time to give us that arc because I never got that sense up till that point. Like, you did treat them as the same character this whole time, so. Why would you tell your brother that you think the girl you both like likes you as you're handing off the freaking baton to him before he has to run for 10 miles? Like, he's not going to be focused anymore. Yeah. That was like active sabotage. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so, yeah, it was one of those. It was kind of up and down. Overall, I did really enjoy it. Um, again, I, I, th- I, I feel like it's Shindo one that Musa. we could... You what? I stand Shindo Musa. Oh, me too. That's Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, they're in love, and it's adorable. Um, and I, I, hope they, uh, I hope they're very happy together. So, uh, yeah, no, I... Overall, I would say if you like if you like sports anime, um, Run with the Wind is a very is very good in that uh, in that genre. Um, again, I think it left a, a couple of, of mild sour taste in my mouth. It's very bad with its one female character. Uh, I shouldn't say very bad. I've seen so much worse. It's not good. She doesn't really do anything. Yeah, um, she's window dressing. Yeah, um, but it has some really good some really great characters. Um, Overall, it handles its. I mean, obviously, I'm not. This is so not my lane. But I've seen, um, I've seen uh, black anime fans online talking about how they enjoy Musa and the way the show um, overall um, handles not just him, but some of the other uh, uh, black college kids who are like exchange students. Um, so I thought that was really nice to to see that in an anime and, and to have it handled like because again, Musa is my favorite character. Like he's he's a he's a sweetheart, and yeah, it's great. So. Um, yeah. Check it out if you like sports stuff for sure, um, or boys having feelings. Either of those two, and you'll probably be good to go. Um, okay, next on the list, Radiant. I finally caught up with this right as it ended, and I keep forgetting it ended this season because it was only twenty-one episodes long. Um, it is the least subtle anti-fascist, anti-racist thing I've ever seen, but I honestly love that it just went completely all in with like, look at this fucking asshole racist, let's beat him up. Um, yep. That was pretty much the entire second core. Um, and again, it is it is the subtlety of a sledgehammer, but uh, we live we we live in 2019, so maybe we need some of that in in the world right now. Yeah, the villain was very proud of his mustache that Seth ripped off his face. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, the the next arc looks like it's going to have a, a very prominent uh, POC character in a shonen series, which is a pretty big deal, I think. Um, I'm a bit worried about how it's going to represent uh, one of the Inquisition members, the woman, not the not the uh, JoJo looking one, but the yeah yeah. I I've heard some concerning things, but we'll see. Yeah. Overall, I think it was. Um refreshingly uh void of of shonen bullshit which i appreciated because um that's one of the i sometimes struggle with shonen series because they sideline their female characters they relentlessly sexualize them or what have you um i think radiant for the most part avoids that um i ended ended up really liking melly like i think that the the kind of split personality thing they do with her is not a great place to start but um yeah but overall, Could be a lot worse. <laughs> it's where's that bar that we embedded in the ground? Um, yeah. But uh, I it they and they taper off on it. It's almost it almost feels like maybe the creator realized like oh this might not be a great thing I did and I should maybe just make it more like 
when she gets angry, she just kind of goes off kind of thing. Um, I like, I really like her relationship with Seth. It is such a relaxed friendship. They just, they just trust each other and want to hang out together. And I think it's really sweet. Um, yeah. So the lack I of, am... lack of sexual tension is really nice. Actually. Yeah, it's it's very. You're just not always worried about will they, won't they? I didn't realize how common it is in anime for when you have a boy character and a girl character, like as as the two leads. Um, how common it is for there to constantly be somebody to be them like blushing or oh no we're touching shoulders or oh no we're sharing we have to share a room together stuff like that. Not none of that in Radiant. Like they are, they are two friends. They live together for pretty much the entire first uh, season, and it's never even comment on, commented on. Like they just have their own rooms and their roommates, and they get along really well, and it's wonderful. Um, and like I wouldn't even hate it if the show eventually like wanted to slide them into a romance because I I do think they get along well. But I yeah. like that I like that they are first and foremost friends, like just good friends who just get along, and their relationship is really casual and nice so yeah mm. um overall radiant was radiant was a lot of fun i'm glad i i'm glad i went back to it and um it's a good binge it's got a pretty good dub so um yeah worth yeah. checking out i would say um and then what i think i would call the anime of the season and uh Same. peter you'll have to let me know okay you too uh mob yep. psycho 100 season two holy crap was that a good season of anime yeah. um I was kind of lukewarm on the first season of Mob. Like I recognized, obviously, the animation was amazing, and um, by the end of it, I, I got, I had a better idea of what uh, one the manga creator was trying to do with it, and I liked it a lot better by the end. But I was still didn't even make my top ten that year. Like it was right on the edge. Um, this season was start to, I would say, almost start to finish, just incredible. I'm struggling to come up with words. I even tweeted that, like, I have this, I have a hard time talking about how good Mob Psycho is. I just, like, it's just, like, I just want to explode expletives. Just be like, shit, damn, fuck, it's so good, um, is where I am with it. Uh, do you have anything you would like to add, Peter, that is more coherent than that? Yeah, I think that this season it really leaned into the whole, like, uh, trying to be emotionally honest, not only with others, but with yourself. Mm-hmm. And how important that is and how that can be like kind of make more change than any amount of psychic power which is <laughs> it's just funny as hell but uh um i i thought that the final message was going to be like this last guy is kind of just one of those people i i do think that there's a there should be a caveat with that kind of message where it's just like there will be some people that aren't worth your emotional time and effort mm-hmm. um but i didn't think the anime kind of wanted to end on a dour note like that so uh it ended up having like a I, I mean, I was okay with how it did it. Uh, it had a nice yeah, kind of subplot at the end. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like a full redemption arc or anything like that, but it, you know, it, it left the door open for the possibility, I guess, of of like positive change. Um, yeah, all the characters coming back too, man. Uh, Show and Scar and everybody showing up at the end. Yeah, that was really that cool. was so cool. It was, and again, Sasuke. and it continues to be just like tremendously well animated and directed. The fight sequences are just. Just so yeah, good, jaw-droppingly good. Um, the midway, mm-hmm. uh, the midway climax was felt like a season finale too. Like there was a lot of really good stuff in here. I really like the way the show deals with the idea of like responsibly wielding power, and like just because you you know maybe have this one particular kind of privilege or power doesn't mean that you're inherently better than everybody. Um, it really, especially the last half, really felt like it's. It feels like it is directly smacking down that um, 
like super special nerd boy power fantasy that we see in uh, especially uh, isekai light novel adaptations um, with mobs uh, kind of speeches about like no you're not the only person who matters like everybody else is is has is the protagonist of their own story basically um, and I I just really like the way it it deals with a lot of those um, kind of capital M masculinity ideas um, and really yeah. pushes for you know empathy and um, using using what using what power or privilege you do have responsibly um, and you know being aware of, of other people's uh, needs it God it's just so good it was just so damn good um, I was I was yeah. very very impressed with it I did I love the line where he told uh, Toichiro that well, what is he said between the two of us you know the middle schooler <laughs> because yeah. the, he was like the representation of the male power fantasy yeah because so the yeah, because the 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 kind of main antagonist was basically telling Mob, "Oh, you're such a you're such a child to to look at the world through this this, this naive way." And Mob was like, "No, I'm pretty sure you're the one who hasn't uh who hasn't gotten past middle school because you're still this solipsistic asshole, basically." And I was like, "This is so so fantastic." Yep, and um, he ends up being defeated. He, like it's like his own power and his like own toxic self image is the thing that ends up destroying him. It's yeah, like it's chef's kiss. Yeah, it's really, really well done. Um, I so so badly want somebody to pitch us an article about it and write the crap out of it, because um, yeah. it was it was really great, um, and I think we we absolutely need more stories like that. Um, so yeah, a bit of a weak season, but holy crap, was Mob good? Uh, so I'm glad we got to I'm glad we got to end on that on that high note there. I can't believe the one time I decided to pass over a shonen show and it was a mistake. Well, it's only 26 episodes long. You could always go back to it. Oh, it's on the watch list, but you know how the watch list is. Endless? Yeah, I get uh-huh. I get you. I get you. Um, well, was there anything else folks wanted to talk about? We have, uh, we have, of course, gone over, but we've gone over a reasonable amount of minutes this time instead of like a full half hour. So that's good. Um, anything else we want to add before I wrap us up? I cut up to One Piece, so you can expect One Piece takes in the future from me. <laughs> Heck yeah! Um, you can re- you can regale me because I uh, I'm probably not going to watch the 800 odd episodes. Although hell, I'm currently in the middle of watching like the thousand odd episodes of Pokemon. So who freaking knows? Maybe I'll do One Piece next. Um, Pretty good. It could happen. Um, mm. But yeah, you can keep us you can keep us posted on that one too. Um, okay, I'll go ahead and close this out then. Alright folks, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you liked what you heard, you should tell your friends about us. And if you really liked what you heard, uh, we'd love it if you would consider tossing a dollar or more to our Patreon each month. Uh, Your support goes a long way towards making anime feminists happen both in print and in your earbuds. Uh, And if you're interested in more from the team and our contributors, you can check us out at www.animefeminist.com on Facebook at AnimeFem, on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, and on Twitter at AnimeFeminist. And that is our show. Thanks for listening, Annie Fam, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>